0: prepare for the future in such an uncertain and volatile kind of world. Let me start with a little poll. How many of you are graduating this year? Who's graduating? Raise your hands if you don't care. Don't act ashamed. It's a great thing. All right. Got a few graduates in the service, so congratulations. You got that coming up in a few weeks. Uh, You're going to have a lot of really cool things happen. But then there's also the odds that there's going to be at least one thing that happens, one thing in particular that I'm thinking of, that's probably not going to be that awesome or that cool. Now, a few of you might, there, there's an occasional exception, but the thing that I'm referring to that is generally bad are graduation speeches. Yeah. Is this, am I making a true statement here? Yes. I mean, graduation speeches are generally awful. Um, I'm just it's just true and um i mean when when our son jay graduated from high school uh, the 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 speaker put a picture of a twinkie on the screen and based his speech on a twinkie <laughs> and um you know, uh, this may be shocking, but I don't remember anything that he said. I mean about it. I mean, there's nothing life-changing about the Twinkie speech for me. I don't know about for the graduates. But you know, one thing about graduation speeches: there are lots of cliches in graduation speeches. right? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, let me just give you maybe a few examples of graduation speech cliches, OK? Uh, here's the secret. Like if you learn this. You know, life's going to be awesome. Don't be afraid of failure. Like, tell that to an 18-year-old, you know, like, I mean, come on. Be your true self. Find your passion. Find your voice. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. You can do anything you want. You can be anything you want. Trust yourself. Trust your instincts. Go seize your opportunities. The future is yours. It's your future to shape. Get out of your comfort zone. Now, those could probably be categorized into anywhere from ungodly, dumb, shallow, meaningless. I mean, in some of them, there's probably some wisdom in them. But, you know, in a vacuum, I don't know what they really mean. But, but I think here's the problem. I mean, uh, you know, as we did this polling and kind of what we heard from our young adults, and, and, and I've heard this, I mean, directly, one-on-one, uh, you know, even outside of this. I mean, it's, I think to somebody graduating from high school or college or, or somebody in their 20s, uh, you can say those things, but... Some of maybe the things they're thinking about are maybe more like, well, how am I going to pay for my college loans? Can I ever afford a house? Uh, you know, what's the economy going to be like a few years from now? Is inflation going to keep going up? What are gas prices going to be like? What's going to happen uh, with the climate and uh, the, the planet? Um, can I ever afford to have kids? Uh, you know, as a Christian, how will I try to raise kids in this, uh, uh, you know, crazy world uh, that we're living in? Who's going to hire me? Uh, you know, on, how am I going to afford to go to college? And I mean, I think these are more uh, the the real kind of questions. And you know, we we know just from research that uh, this is the most anxious generation in the history of our country. Of course, it's not just kids, teenagers, young adults that are anxious. I mean, you read studies about mental health. I mean, you know, as a nation, I mean, we're in a mess when it comes to that. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. But I think one of the reasons is, is a worry about the future, in fact, I would say, and, and, and this isn't the main point of the message, but I'll try, probably try to develop this a little bit. Some of you are paralyzed today because you're trying to live tomorrow today in your mind. Does that make sense? I mean, some of you are overcome with anxiety because you're trying to live tomorrow today in your mind. There's a reason that Jesus said to not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. And part of the reason is you can't live tomorrow today. You don't even know if you're going to have tomorrow. Does that mean you don't plan for the future? Of course we need to plan for the future. But I think what I, part of what I want us to see today is that as we plan for the future, we plan for the future seeking God and His will, knowing that in an earthly sense, it's not certain. Like, this question, you know, in such an uncertain and a volatile world? Well, we're going to see today, the Bible tells us, at least from an earthly perspective, the world, the future, is uncertain. So if you're looking for certainty, you're going to be paralyzed. Listen, you can't live tomorrow today. You can only prepare for tomorrow today. And do you know that every day we're preparing for tomorrow by how we live today? I mean, we can prepare well or we can prepare badly, but we are preparing. So, with that said, take your Bible and let's go uh, to the book of James. And uh, we're going to focus on a passage. I'm going to walk us through a passage of Scripture today. I said it's been a little different in in answering these questions, but I think probably for the rest of the time, we're going to get back to what I like to do, which is expository preaching, and just try to answer the different questions from a particular passage of Scripture. And so we're going to look at James chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 13. And I want to try to answer this question by giving you, first of all, three warnings pointing out three dangers, three wrong ways. To approach the future that I think two are explicit in the text one is implicit in the text and then just kind of give you one big idea and, and, and some practical handles for it for how to answer this question and again uh, you know i, I can 't give you the full answer to this question if you're trying to figure out your future uh, you need more than what i 'm giving you today you may need a financial advisor uh, you, you may need a marriage counselor or, you know at some point premarital counseling you may need a you know a college advisor I'm not getting into those weeds not qualified to do those things But what I hope to do today is help you settle uh, the big picture question of how to approach life with God. Okay, so let's just read the text and we'll try to unpack it. So James says, uh, James the half-brother of Jesus says, Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, uh, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So, Let me point out three dangers to you here about the future. First of all, there's the danger of presumption. And this is based on the fact that the future is uncertain. In other words, don't presume on the future. Don't presume or assume that your future is going to go a a, a certain way. Look at what he says. He says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Now, is this saying, again, don't plan for the future? I don't think it's saying that because Proverbs 69 says this. It says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. In other words, as you plan for the future, number one, do it seeking God. And number two, don't do it assuming that just because you plan for things to go a certain way, that it's going to happen. Because, uh, you know, the, the problem with this kind of uh, life coach stuff, motivational speeches, self-help speeches is, it is like it, it assumes that if you do this, this is gonna happen. If you do this, you're gonna get that. But that's not how life in the real world works. I mean, again, we, we can presume certain things, but we just don't know. I, I mean, for example, here here's just a, a little example of what I'm talking about. So, uh, it's a very busy season right now. I mean, it's Easter season. Monday was just like a nonstop, uh, hectic uh, day for me. I mean, we have just a lot of meetings, a lot of different things going on Monday. And, and then... Um, you know, really busy day, it felt good, I think I got everything done on my to-do list, and then, you know, I'm planning for Tuesday, uh, I got three big things I need to do, and, you know, but I'm just thinking, even though I was so busy, you know, I was feeling good Monday night, energetic, uh, uh, feeling good up until about uh, 11.30, I started getting a little tired while I'm watching the basketball game, so it was a really good day, other than North Carolina, unfortunately, losing in the national championship game, but at least they eliminated Duke, so it's not all bad. Uh um, um, but, <laughs> cause a church split today, but, um, <laughs> but, um, uh, there was almost a split of my family over this, but anyway, a different story, but, uh, you know, so I'm planning what I'm going to do the next day, and I, know I got all this stuff that's done, but then I wake up about 10 to 5, and apparently had some kind of stomach bug or something like that. We can plan for tomorrow, we don't know what tomorrow holds. I mean, you know, when I was graduating from high school, my plan was to be an attorney. <laughs> if you told me I'd have been, uh, you know, uh, a little over 30 years later, standing up preaching to a group of people, I'd have said, you're nuts. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And, and, and the kind of stuff I'm talking about is, um, you know, I didn't know when we got married that Robin's mom was going to die the first year, first year we were married. You know, I, I didn't know we were going to have a baby that was going to spend the first three weeks of her life in the hospital. And I could just go on and on and on and on. And you see, one of the keys with dealing with the future is, do you have a, a rock? Do you have a strength? Do you have something that's going to help you to deal with the curveballs of life? Because you can make a plan, and and if your plan goes according to plan, then that's great. But what if you do when it doesn't? Or what do you do when it goes according to plan, and even that leaves you empty? You know, one one of the things that's been amazing to me this weekend is, you know, Tiger Woods, 14 months after having a car wreck and almost losing his leg, you know, playing in the Masters and making the cut at the Masters. But, um, you know, there's this long article in Sports Illustrated. You can find it about Tiger Woods and um, just, you know, his life. He's one of the most successful people who's ever lived. But what's been strange to me over the years is like, you know, why would a golfer who looks like a bodybuilder have so many injuries? Well, probably the reason he had so many injuries It was because he used his VIP status and actually would train with Navy SEALs. His dad was a Green Beret. After his dad died, his life kind of took a nosedive. And part of, I guess, what he was looking for uh, was, you know, this connection with his dad or, you know, whatever. And so he went through all this training. Of course, you know, uh, the story came out about all the affairs and all this kind of thing. What is it? To me, it's like a parable of the book of Ecclesiastes. What if you have it all and it's not enough? I mean, what if you're a wild success and it leaves you empty? A man by the name of George MacDonald who said that without God, we either fail miserably or we succeed even more miserably. Don't presume on your future. And leave God out of the equation. Second, and I think this is more implicit in the text, but there's a, the danger of unpreparedness. Verse 14 tells us that life is brief, and in an, in an uncertain world, there's actually one certain thing, which is death. And so, if you really want to be prepared to live, shouldn't you be prepared For the thing that is actually certain, how are you really prepared for life if you're not prepared for death? I mean, he he, he says here, he says, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor. It's like the mist in the morning that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And listen, (laughs) the older we are, I think the more real that verse is to us. You know, I used to laugh when I was younger, when uh, my mom or whoever would talk about, you know, time goes faster, seems to go faster as you get older, and how quick it all seems. I don't laugh at that anymore. It makes sense to me now. Rick Warren's written, the only time most people think about eternity is at funerals. And then it's often shallow, sentimental thinking based on ignorance. You may feel it's morbid to think about death, but actually it's unhealthy to live in denial of death and not consider what is inevitable. Only a fool would go through life unprepared for what we all know will eventually happen. You need to think more about eternity, not less. Matthew Henry said, it ought to be the business of every day to prepare for the final day. And I think that's a good way to approach life. You know, I, like I kind of started, you know, in this message kind of talking to teenagers, young adults. L- let me kind of switch for a minute and talk to uh, those of us that are a little bit older, which in this case may be, I don't know, let's just say 40 and above. All right? So, um, So, I'm 51, all right? Uh, a lot of you know Shane Phillips, you know, the great American philosopher Shane Phillips, who also <laughs> masquerades as a guitar player sometimes in a in band. If you don't know Shane, you ought to get to know Shane. Uh, Shane and I are kind of alter egos. We, we, we think a lot alike, so I'm going to quote Shane today. You know, when, you, when you're 50-ish, uh, you know, so I guess somewhere 40s, 50s, maybe 60s, I don't know. Uh, I don't know the exact parameters of this. You're known as middle age. But uh, Shane uh, said recently, if you're 50... You're only middle aged if you're living to be 100. Otherwise, you know, there's less in the future than there is behind you. And 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 so I mean, there's that's kind of true, right? Um but you know, when people talk about, you know, having birthdays or you like people turn 30, turn 40, whatever. That 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 never really phased me. I never really thought much about that kind of thing until uh I was about to uh, turn fifty, um, which would have been uh, well a year and a half or so ago now um, and i don 't know something about that just really like got my attention first of all it didn 't seem possible because uh, like I, I still feel young and uh, and so I mean, to be honest, I mean, I've worked on my my health and you know diet, conditioning, all those things. Like if you like if you saw my lab work at the doctor, all this kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, it is better than it was when we uh, uh, planted the church almost 20 years ago. So uh, so uh, you know, hopefully, I've got good genes, all this kind of thing. I mean, my dad's 82, could maybe pass for being in his 60s. My mom's 79, and she could definitely pass for uh, being in her 60s. Three of my four grandparents lived. either to 89 or up in their 90s, but then have a, a grandfather that I never met because he killed over of a heart attack uh, at, at a really young age. And so, you know, my question is, which one of those am I? Um, you know, I, I would hope that I've got, uh, you know, 20 years left to, to be able to, if it's God's will, to be teaching pastor at, at, at True Life, and, but I think the thing that hit me, is at this point in life, I don't know, you know, I mean, really, I mean, you know, am I one of these people that, uh, like, you know, am I like my parents, and, you know, 30 years from now, uh, you know, maybe I'm a crotchety old man, but, I, you know, I'm in uh, good health, and, uh, you know, could still get up here and yell on Sundays, and that kind of, I don't really expect to be doing that at 80, but, you know what I'm saying, or, you know, 30 days from now, does something fall apart, and then, you know, COVID hits, and Uh, You know, am I one of the weird outliers there And, and, and all these kind of things, you know, do I have 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, which, you know, I don't know, you don't know. You know, if you're 18, you're not thinking like this. You know, I, I mean, we think we're invincible, especially as males, uh, for uh, until a certain age. It maybe varies a, a little bit, but until somewhere 30s, 40s. I mean, there's probably some crazy old guy, 75, that thinks he's never going to die. I don't know. You know, the male ego is a weird thing sometimes. But, um, but you don't know. I mean, did you see about the NFL quarterback that got run over by a dump truck, 24 years old. Uh, uh, died over the weekend? We don't know. And so I, I think the question that this prompted in my mind, that I'm, I'm going to touch on now and come back to at the end, is if death is that certain, but it's uncertain to when it is, and if this scripture is true, which even if you don't believe the Bible, even if you're not a Christian, how can you argue that life is not uncertain like this? How do you live in light of that? So, to begin the answer, and like I said, I'll, I'll come back to it at the end. But let me just suggest this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 11. Paul says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. How do we prepare for an uncertain future? I would say, make sure you're ready for the final day. Lay the foundation of Jesus Christ. Make sure you're saved. Make sure you're ready for death. Because if you're ready for death, you can really live. But even beyond that, I would say reverse engineer your life to live every day to be ready for the final day. Listen, you can't live uh, tomorrow today, but you can live today to be ready for tomorrow and to be ready for eternity. That makes sense. So there's a third warning that he gives here, a third danger, and it's the danger of pridefulness. And and what I'm saying is one of the things we need to realize we face the future, and and, and this, I think, is one of the big questions of life, is we're not the masters of our own fate. I mean, at the end of the day, do you believe that you're in charge of your life? And you can dictate what's going to happen in the future. Or do you believe that it's ultimately God who wills what happens to happen? And so here's the thing. And this is maybe a little in your face, but it's God's word. What he's saying here, if we think we're the masters of our own fate, if we think we can determine our own future, If we think we can plot a course and make it happen, we're arrogant. Because, listen to me, the Bible says, I mean, even if things work out, even if our dreams come true, even if our plans are fulfilled, understand, that's the grace of God. He he, he gave us the breath. He gave us the ability. He gave us the opportunity. Listen, listen. There's nothing that we can just independently make happen that's going to last forever. We're called to live with a dependence upon God. That's why the Bible says, Proverbs 27.1, Do not boast about tomorrow, for, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Proverbs 16.18 says, Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. James 4.6 says that God resists the proud. He stiff-arms, He pushes away the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Listen, I I have found God to be exceedingly patient with me in my life in just about every area except for one, and that's pride. When when I'm prideful, God disciplines me swiftly and decisively. The Bible says God hates pride. Pride. Listen, if you believe that you're the master of your own fate, that you're in control of your own life, that you can do your own thing, that you can do it without God, and you're a Christian, you are setting yourself up to have an unpleasant encounter with God because He loves you too much to let you live that way. He hates pride. Listen, if you're not a Christian, you know what the ultimate reason is? I mean, you may have your reasons. You may think you're good enough. You may think something in the Bible is not true. You may not buy the gospel. But the Bible would tell us the ultimate reason is your pride. You're unwilling to humble yourself and bow your knee before Almighty God. Listen, someday we are going to come face to face with Him and answer to Him. So, if these are dangers, if these are warnings, then what would be uh, the biblical answer to this question? What does he tell us in, in this passage? How do we prepare for the future in a volatile and uncertain world? Well, I think this is the big idea of the passage. We prepare for the future by humbly submitting ourselves to the sovereign God and obediently doing God's sovereign will. Notice again what he says in verse 15. He says, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. In other words, well, let me put it this way. First of all, let's talk about a conviction, and then let's talk about some actions that flow out of the conviction. Here's the conviction God's in control. I'm not. God's in control, I'm not. I mean, does this mean uh, literally any time that we say we're going to do something in the future, we say, the Lord, if the Lord wills? Uh, and I don't know that we have to say that literally every time. There's nothing wrong with saying that. But I'm saying, you know, in our minds behind it, we're saying, well, if, if it's God's will, I'm going to go to college. If it's God's will, I'm going to get this job. If it's God's will, I'm going to get married or, or whatever else. Realizing the future is uncertain. The future is not guaranteed. And it's beyond that, it's wanting what God wants for our future, trusting that he knows the best, that according to scripture, he sees the end from the beginning, and he's a loving heavenly father. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us, trust the Lord with all our heart, lean not into our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge him, and he will direct our paths. So, Psalm 115.3 3 says, Our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. The Bible tells us He's in control of the future. He's in control of life and death. Our days are numbered, written in a book before we're conceived in our mother's room, is what the psalmist said. He's in control of our activities and our accomplishments. I could not be up here doing what I'm doing apart from the plan, the purpose, the grace of God. It's not me. I mean, I had an occasion without going into the details just to think about uh, kind of in in, in light of just seeing some, I guess, some church plants struggle, that kind of thing. We're working on a video for a 20th anniversary. Why has God blessed us so much? It's His plan, it's His grace. I mean, and if we see that, what do we really have to take credit for? We just thank God for His goodness. It's not us, it's Him. So, do we believe that God's in control, I'm not? Again, we're going to take one of two approaches to life. I'm in control, or He's in control, or everything's just out of control. I mean, which one is it? You really believe you're in control? Maybe you believe everything's out of control. Can you trust that God is in control? So, uh, if, if this is a conviction, God's in control, I'm not, there's a couple of actions that flow out of it. First of all, humbly do the will of God. If the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. What, 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 what do I want God's will or mine? So, you know, what's this going to look like? Well, First of all, it means that we surrender to Jesus as Lord, that that we acknowledge that He's sovereign, that that He's king, that He's on the throne. You know, when we were trying to put an order to these questions, I mean, the first two went together uh, intentionally, and and kind of the last two weeks went together, but I didn't really recognize, realize, because I didn't know exactly how John was going to approach his topic, actually, these five last five weeks have all flowed together if you really if you went back and just kind of looked at the outlines for all the messages they all flow together you know we talked about last week 38 times in the book of revelation talks about the throne of God so is your life based on the fact that God is on his throne that you're trusting him as a loving heavenly father are you trying to run your own life do you believe he's in control of the universe do you believe that he's at the center of the universe or do you think you're at the center of the universe Remember, if you're trying to live that way, and I'm saying this, and I'm being blunt, and I'm being in your face because I love you. Pride goes before a fall, and a haughty spirit before destruction. God will bring you down. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you're trying to control, make your own future as your own God It's either going to blow up in this life, or it's going to blow up at the judgment. Jesus said, Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 46, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house. He cannot could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built his house, built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. You want to prepare for your future? Have the right foundation. What's the right foundation? The Lordship of Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, obedience to him. You see, here's what he says, and this goes back to what I uh, was saying earlier. You can plan your future, but the thing you won't plan and you can't plan are the storms that are going to come. But the storms are coming. That's what he says. And we know from experience that the storms are coming. The question is not if the storms are coming. The question is not uh, what kind of storms are coming. The question is, do we have a foundation that will withstand the storms that are coming? And he says that foundation is obedience to Jesus Christ. So this would say to us, seek God's will. Submit to God's will. You know, you've heard me say this before, but like I said earlier, my plan was to be a lawyer. God called me to preach. I ran from that. I'm so glad I listened to him and not to myself. I mean, I was miserable when I was running from his will. But then I think about all the blessings that I would have missed out on. You say, well, how do we know God's will? Well, that's another message. You know, I've said these questions are more series than messages. Let me just give you one quick thought on that. Our uh, small group is doing a study right now by Al Mohler on the Lord's Prayer. And, you know, there's a phrase in the Lord's Prayer that says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in one of the studies in, in that uh, series that, that he did on, you know, your, that phrase, your will be done, he titled it, Your Word Be Done. And the point that he's making is, is that the will of God is the word of God. And the word of God is the will of God. You want to know the will of God? Listen, it's not going to give you every detail. But, uh, you know, when we go around asking these questions, what's God's will for my life? Uh, it's not the best question. I mean, I understand there's some particular things that you want to f- try to figure out what God wants you to do. But really, the best question is what's God's will? Uh, I had an Old Testament professor. His name was Gary Gagliotti. And he used to say to us, if instead of spending all of our time trying to figure out what God's will for my life is, if we just get in the Bible and figure out what God's will is and do that, we wouldn't have a whole lot of time left to spend trying to figure out for what God's will for my life is. God's will is His Word. You want to prepare for your future? You want to build a foundation in your life? Get in God's Word every day. And and, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, seek to do what it says. That's the foundation to build for the future. That's the deposit to make in your life every day. Because without that, you are trying to face the future in your own strength. So he, he says, humbly do the will of God. But then he says in verse 17, we haven't talked about that. So let's talk about that. And let me try to close by giving us some practical handles. He says to do all the good we can. He says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. What's God's will for you today? How do you prepare for your future today? Do all the good you can. Do the next right thing. Find a need and meet it in Jesus' name. Do all the good, do the next right thing. Sometimes in life, when everything is uncertain and everything is confusing and we don't really know what to do, and, 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 you know, and again, we have this tendency. We try to live tomorrow, today in, in our own minds, and we're trying to think 43 steps ahead, and we're driving ourselves crazy. Sometimes it's just do the next right thing. Take the next step that you know that God wants you to take. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, it it, it, it is sin. Obey. You see, when we obey, we're putting the responsibility for the results in God's hands instead of trying to take it to ourselves. So, let, let me just kind of circle around back to something I said earlier, and we'll finish with this. So, you know, I, I talked about this experience of turning 50 and getting, I'm not, I, I don't know if this would surprise you or not surprise you. I mean, I, don't, I think sometimes people think preachers are automatically this way. I'm not like real super contemplative in the sense. I don't do like a whole lot of navel gazing. I don't spend a lot of time analyzing myself and, and, and these kind of things. I guess I'm a guy, but um, I don't live in the past. But uh, I, I guess uh, at that point, uh, I started doing some of that. And it's like, okay, if, if I don't know how long I'm even going to live, how do I prepare for the future? And, and here's the conclusion I came to. And, and, and maybe this will help you whatever age you are. Uh, uh, there's a guy named Kerry Newhoff he's a blogger and podcaster that I've you know, read his stuff a lot, listened to his podcast a lot. And uh, he has a very simple statement. He says, Live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. Live in a way today that will help you thrive tomorrow. Um, And so, that's kind of one of my mottos. How do you prepare for the future? By how you live today. What's that look like? Well, for me, and I mean, I lost weight during COVID. Why? Because I was a process. I worked on how I ate. Uh, how do you prepare for tomorrow? I prepare for tomorrow by living today, by starting the day in God's word and in prayer. Uh, by, you know, I'm not saying I'm not making plans for the future, but uh, by, you know, doing what I feel like, trying to do what I feel like God wants me to do uh, today. I had a conversation with a pastor who was looking for some advice recently, and uh, he, he was, uh, he, he asked this question, or said something like, well, I, I mean, I assume, like, for the church, you've got, like, these five- and ten-year plans. Nope. Um, I don't have a five- or ten-year plan for me. Never have. I don't know if that makes me a bad leader. Maybe it does. I've never found that God has spoken to me five, about stuff five or ten years in advance. Um, I mean, if God tells you something for true life uh, for, for the ten years from now, please make an appointment and come and see me or write it down and give it to me, something like that. I don't know what's going to happen ten years from now. I mean, I kind of think that's biblical. I don't know what's going to happen to me ten years uh, from now. So you say, are we just kind of floating along? Oh, it's process. What are we trying to do? It's Sunday morning, it's next generation, it's small groups, it's making disciples who make disciples, and it's missions, and it's trying to do that better and better and better and let God bring the fruit out of that until Jesus comes back. That makes sense. You know, some churches kill themselves because they're always looking for some new thing, some new program, and they go from fad to fad to fad. I'm just trying to do a few basic things really well, seek God and pray and let him use that because it's sustainable over time and it scales. Personally, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to eat right, exercise, spend time with God, be with my family, minister to people, use the gifts that God's given me, do that day after day after day after day until I can't do it anymore, until Jesus comes back and see what the fruit is at the end of the day. See, I, I don't have a 10-year plan. But I have a life mission statement uh, that uh, I wrote when I was in my 20s. It's probably been adapted uh, a little bit. I, I, I would encourage you, uh, you know, to, to really uh, you know, consider doing something like that. But my life mission statement basically was you know, to walk with Jesus, love my wife, This one maybe doesn't quite apply as much anymore because my kids are older, but you know, train uh, my my children in in, in the ways of the Lord, plant and and pastor a healthy biblical church, and be a part of a church planting movement in Tennessee and the world. That's what's guided my life uh, for the last 20 or, or, or so years. That. That's what I pursue. That's what tells me what to say yes to, tells me what to say no to. People ask me to do stuff. Uh, I've been asked to be a hospital chaplain. No, doesn't fit with. My, it's a great thing. Doesn't fit with my life mission. I was asked to be on a committee for the Tennessee Baptist Convention last year. No, doesn't have anything to do uh, with, with planning a church. So I'm not going to spend time outside of True Life on something like that. I don't know why they'd ask a church planner to be on the uh, constitution and bylaws for the Tennessee Baptist Convention anyway. I could probably blow the whole thing up in, in, in one. Meeting. Uh, 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 Do you get what I'm saying? This is who God's wired me to be. This is what he's called me to do, and I'm going to pursue that with everything that's within me. What I'm saying for you is find out who you are and and what God's called you to do, and pursue that with everything you've got in the power of the Holy Spirit, and then let God uh, order your steps. Let him work out your future, and let him determine what the end fruit of your life is going to be. Now, beyond that, I've got three specific goals for the rest of my life that's kind of clarified this. Uh, and, and, and those are basically, one, that the people who know me best would respect me bo- most. Two, that I would finish well. And three, in, in the words of uh, a book by Dave Ferguson, that I would be a hero maker. Meaning that I would train people, reproduce, raise people up who raise people up, disciples who make disciples, that we'd send out leaders and pastors, and, and we'd plant churches, and over time that there would be a, a great multiplication. That's what my life's about. What's God called you to do? You say, well, like, if, if you don't have a five- or ten-year plan, how does, how does all this work itself out? It's because, listen to me, when you're pursuing what God has uniquely graced you, You see, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, there's a sphere, there's a a, a portion in the Lord's harvest field that He's entrusted to you if you're a Christian. If you're pursuing what God has graced you for, what He's wired you to do, He'll make stuff happen. He'll bring things together that you can never bring together. Um... He'll connect the dots is how I like to say it. See, because if it's his will, he's already going before you and working it out. And see, success in life happens when God's sovereign plan meets our obedience. That's how you have a successful life. And I could give you example after example. I mean, most of the good stuff that's happened in Honduras, it wasn't planned It was just, we were pursuing the big picture of what God's called us to do. He dropped opportunities in our laps. The training centers, there are now a couple in Guatemala. Just opened another one in Honduras. In process in Costa Rica, in in, in Nicaragua right now. That wasn't my idea. God did it. You know, some of the things you've seen, some of the, like, Brasovola High School. God did that on a mission trip. You know, we thought about this last year in a meeting with some of the Micronesians, and they start talking about uh, Vancouver, Washington, where we just happened to have David Robinson that went out of true life to go there and minister. And then they, you know, when we're in uh, uh, Uganda, you know, Pastor Francis, he wasn't even supposed to be around us. I believe God has that for us, but he brought him to us. He did it. In other words, if you're a Christian, Surrender to Jesus Christ, seek Him, get in His Word, focus on what He wants you to do daily. Now again, we need to make make plans and and all these kind of things, uh, but make plans seeking God. If you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, do you believe ultimately that you're the master of your own fate? That you're in control of your own life and that you're going to be able to stand before him someday and say, you know, I did it my way and it's good enough. What's he going to say to you? And I should probably shut up, but I feel like I'm supposed to say this. I promise this last thing. You know, again, go back to some of those questions. Like, how am I ever going to... Find a house, buy a house. How can I find the right person to marry me? Like, am I going to get a job? Uh, you know, all the, these are really important questions. But here, here, listen to me, this will help somebody. They're anxiety provoking questions. Why? Because you can't live tomorrow today, you can only prepare for tomorrow today. So, you want a house? Get a job? Handle your finances wisely? Save? That's what you can do today. Maybe you can't get a house today, but that's what you can do today. You, You want to get married? Remember that purity today paves the way to intimacy tomorrow. Remember that premarital sex uh, prevents good relationships and it prolongs bad relationships because you think it's better than it really is. You want to have the right kind of marriage, the key is to always be the right kind of person. Maybe you can't uh, get married today, maybe you can't find the right person today, but you can take some steps in becoming the right person today. That's how you prepare for tomorrow. By living the right way today. Uh, You you may think, well, God wants me to do something, but I, I don't know what it is yet. I don't know if I can do it yet. Well, you get in his word. You get to know him better. You hang around with some older Christians. Let them mentor you. Let them help them grow. Do something small. Do what God puts in front of you today. Do the next right thing. Be faithful when something's hard today, and then see what God might do with your life tomorrow. What I'm saying is your future is thousands of todays strung together and how you live day in and day out. And I could go on with example after example. Your health tomorrow is how you eat today. Whether or not you exercise today. I mean, to some degree. I understand, uh, you know, we decay and we can't control that. You get what I'm saying? The key to tomorrow is today. Today. Live today for the glory of God, under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, through the Word of God, in the power of the Holy Spirit, today. And you know what you'll find? Not only will you be better prepared for tomorrow, your anxiety will go way down too. This is what you can control. You can't control tomorrow. You can control what you do today. You can't control what's going to happen tomorrow. You can't control a lot of things that are going to happen to you. But you can control what you do today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.